With Blake Shapin being named the Baylor starter in 2022, Gary Bohannon is now entering the transfer portal. It's a new era of quarterback at Baylor under Dave Aranda, and Sam Conn Jr. joins the show from The Athletic to help us break it all down. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, Drake Toll here from Sikkim365.com, joined today by Sam Khan Jr. from The Athletic. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every day, especially on a day like today, where huge news in the quarterback battle, Dave Aranda has named Blake Shapin his starter. And Sam, it seems almost unprecedented where a quarterback can lead a team to their best season in program history and then be told you're either going to ride the pine or get out of town next year. This is pretty monumental. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you got to give, first of all, Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes, that coaching staff credit for being able to make this decision when they did it. Uh, Because as we all know, May 1st is the deadline for uh, transfers to enter the portal uh, in order to be eligible to play in, in 2022. So that that was something Aranda had had made clear at the start of spring ball was, hey, we're going to make this decision probably right after spring. Uh, and the intention was, hey, to give either Blake Chapin or Gary Bohannon, whoever didn't win the job, the chance to, to move on. So props to them for that because uh, a lot of coaches will drag it on into, into fall, even if they don't think it's a competition, will drag it in under the guise of a competition in order to keep quarterback depth favorably. But it reminds me a little bit of the Jalen Hurt situation at, at yeah. Alabama. You remember Jalen took – the, the Crimson Tide to the national championship game, and then, of course, got replaced at halftime by Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Of course, Jalen didn't win the job the next year, but stayed in, and then transferred after the season was over uh, to Oklahoma, and then, of course, is now off to a successful NFL career. So if, if Gary Bohan is looking for a template to how to handle this, look at the playbook that Jalen Hurts used, which was, he I mean, obviously he had one more year of eligibility left than, than Gary does, so Gary has to move on now. But Jalen got to Oklahoma, acclimated himself in that offense, had a fantastic season, and became a draft pick, and now is a, an NFL starting quarterback. So uh, I'm sure Bohannon would love to follow a similar path if he can. Sam, Baylor Nation is really grown so attached to Gary Bohannon over the last four years. He committed to Baylor in 2017 when that was the least popular thing to do in college football, and is the guy who led Baylor, was the catalyst to a 12-2 and season last year. What is the the to you right now? What is the best case scenario for Gary Bohannon as far as a landing spot? Because I can guarantee you, every Baylor fan wants to see him be successful somewhere. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's hard to hard to know because I don't know all 129 other starting right. quarterback situations in the country. But I don't think it matters necessarily that you have to go to a great team. I think you just have to go to a team where you have a reasonably stable coaching staff, a good offense that fits whatever the skill set that he wants to display. And to to Gary's credit, and, and I mentioned this when we updated our story in The Athletic today, Gary has played in multiple offenses. He's played in wide zone heavy, a lot of under center offense under Jeff Grimes. He's played in more of a spread style offense before. He's got experience in multiple types of offenses. That is going to help him in the transfer process because – that means he can play in multiple types of system. He can get under center and hand it off if you want him to. He can do the play action thing. He can go purely in the gun. He can be a quarterback run guy. I, I think 
to me, it doesn't matter power five, group of five. I think if you can find a good group of five program to go to, that's fine. If you can find a power five program that's looking for a quarterback that seems to have a stable offensive situation, stable coaching staff, a, a, a offense that fits your talents, then, then that makes sense too. I think what there's going to be no shortage of suitors in the portal for him because I can promise you uh, there are teams out there that would like a quarterback that did what he did last year, which was take a team to a Big 12 championship and, and win a Sugar Bowl. Sam, from your analysis of these two quarterbacks, it, it feels like to me at least that Gary Bohannon, much better runner than Blake Shapen, not to say Shapen's bad. Shapen, a much better arm than Gary Bohannon, not to say that Bohannon's is bad. What then separates these two quarterbacks kind of from a, a beat writer, college football writer's perspective? Why this from the outside looking in? I think what it does for Baylor is it gives their offense a little bit higher ceiling in terms of downfield passing because we all know what Grimes' offense is based on. It's a lot of wide zone runs. And so, and off of those runs is where everything comes from. That's where your deep play action pass game comes from. That's where all your misdirection comes from if you want them rolling out and throwing downfield. Um, I think Blake, and you, if you watched the Texas Tech game last year when he started, he made a few throws early in that game that made you go, oh, like those are some really, really pretty throws that were accurate downfield that make you think that, hey, maybe we can unlock this offense to an even deeper level. Gary was great because he was also he had a very, very good arm strength. And I thought he was great rolling out. He was great off play action. And he also had that ability to move the chains with his feet. Uh, the the ability to make teams pay on a second or third down and get those key first downs to keep the chains moving was really impressive. But I think with Blake, the staff, from what the sense that I gather, is they love his moxie. They love his willingness to take risks. And that was something even last year they liked in the spring. But there were, I think, times where he was maybe a little careless with the ball as he was learning that offense. And he's got, the, the the thing that I had heard a year ago and, and, and still here now is that he's got a little bit of Zach Wilson in him. You know, kind yeah. of Grimes worked with Zach Wilson at BYU, and he's willing to throw the ball. He's willing to cut it loose. It may mean that you may take some risks, and it may mean that you may have some turnovers here and there. But I think now he's been in this offense long enough and learned it, that he's honed it in a little bit and that he'll take care of the ball. Of course, last year, five touchdowns, no interceptions when he played that he's kind of got that part honed in while still being able to be the the moxie the the gutless I mean gutty playmaker the fearlessness that that they want that'll really help maybe open the playbook even more you know, when I think about those field general style quarterbacks that are a little more reserved, a la Gary Bohannon, you know, I go back to like an A.J. McCarron type at Alabama. Back before the Lane Kiffin, let's try to take some risks off and more defensive style of football that Bama played. It felt like Baylor really wanted to mold into that early last season. And with Shapen, you had more opportunities to spread the field and do more creative things on the offensive side of the football in general. Is that field general style of quarterback and just hard-nosed classic football filtering its way out of college? I think it's just – I don't know that it's necessarily filtering out. I think you still have some coaches. Like I, I like at Texas A&M as, an, as a place where they still are running kind of a pro-style scheme. And, and so you still have some places that are doing it. But I think you have to have somebody – who can do multiple things. You have to have somebody who can throw downfield. You have to some have somebody that can make plays off schedule with their legs, which both Bohan and Shaven could do. Uh, you, you have to have somebody that can at least move the chains. He doesn't have to be a track star, so to speak, but he has to be able to 
hey, when it's third and four, we know that we can do a read option and he can keep it and get you those four yards and, and, and you know, get a first down. Or we can call a an RPO or we can roll him out and give him the, the run pass option on the, on the edge so where he can either throw it to a tight end leaking or he can run for those first down yards. You have to have somebody that can do all those things. I do think the the traditional dropback passer has kind of phased out to a, to, to a large degree in this game because it's just a simple math game. The more things you make a defense defend, and the more things you give defenses to to worry about, the better off it is on offense. If you if you have a traditional dropback passer who's not going to move a lot, then that's one less thing the defense has to worry about, and that means they don't have to have a guy spying you in the backfield. And so it just becomes a simple numbers game for an offense and defenses. Sam, last question I have for you here. When it comes to Blake Shapin, uh, last question on the quarterback battle, I should say. When it comes to Blake Shapin, is there one part of his game that makes you think, woof, that's got to improve for him to be a all Big 12 style quarterback? I think just consistency. Uh, and, and again, that comes with time. Uh, and, and it's hard to say because we only saw a little bit of him last year. So it's kind of hard to take make large grand sweeping judgments about his game because we only saw him start two games and then come in really for that Kansas state game. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately it's going to be consistency. It's going to be taking care of the ball, which he did do a good job when he played last year. But from, from, like I said, from practice last year, there was definitely something that, that the coaches wanted to get better at. That's going to be the key thing is making smart decisions and being consistent with the football, being consistent in your decision-making. And as long as he does that, I think all the other pieces are in place. The The question that I have, and I think is as big a question as the quarterback is, is who's going to be the lead running back in this, in this scheme? Who's going to be that Abram Smith for them this year? And that's a question that I think still has to be answered. Sam, I love it. The next thing I want to get to is the state of the program with Baylor and what the outlook on that looks like, something the athletic does annually now, and that you've already put out a couple of these teams. Before we get to that, though, I promise you all at home, Sam's not going away. He's just got like a quick nap, recharge the batteries. While I tell you about betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments. So if you want to go ahead and already make a bet on next year's Heisman race, put Blake shaping up there at like, you know, 100 to one odds and throw some money on it. You can do that at betonline.net. Major League Baseball is going on too. the NBA playoffs, I think are happening. NFL draft picks as well. Where are those guys going to go? You can put money there. All at betonline.net. Also has esports, live betting, Vegas-style casino. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device as well. Super accessible. Find the trends and the action at betonline.net, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, Sam, one of my favorite things that uh, that The Athletic does and that you put together, pieces of content that are the state of the program, that kind of give you a general overview of where a football team is coming into their following season based on where they've been the year before and even past that. So, kind of a broad view of Baylor under Dave Aranda in year three, coming off of a 10-win improvement so far, I mean, how do you even analyze that when you got such a big gap in the first two years? How do you prepare for year three? 
Yeah, I think you, you definitely build on what worked. And, and coming off of year two, which was so successful, you have the blueprint now, in my opinion. Yeah. Year one was so difficult because of the circumstances that they were dealt. And everybody dealt with the pandemic and everybody dealt with the uncertainty and Zoom meetings and all that stuff. But I think it profoundly impacted first-year coaches more than anybody. And Dave Aranda was one of those, a first-time head coach. It's different if you've been in your program two, three years and you had a chance to set the culture and the expectations. Guys know what's expected of you. Dave was still trying to get to know guys that first year. And that put them on such uneasy footing going into 2020. And I think you saw that play itself out on the field. And then obviously the staff, the way the offensive staff worked out, Dave figured out that he hired somebody and hired an offensive scheme that maybe didn't fit what he wanted to his football team to be. And now, now that he has that with Jeff Grimes, I think you've got a good foundation. When I look at Baylor as a program, I think, I think of a solid foundation, a team that's had success under multiple head coaches in the last decade, and one that's really ideally situated for its future in the new Big 12. When Texas and Oklahoma leave in a couple of years, whenever that ends up being, whether it's 2025 or 2024, Baylor, to me, is in position. As long as they keep this infrastructure where they have Dave Aranda as the head coach, you have Mac Rhodes at the athletic director, and you have the alignment with the administra school administration. I think this, this program is in position to be possibly the best team in the Big 12 post-Texas OU, and I think that's a great spot to be in for Baylor. Sam, there's news today, too, that it looks like post next season. So we only have one more year without Houston, UCF and Cincinnati in the Big 12. Those schools planning to join in 2023-24. So with those new teams coming in, does how does that affect Baylor's state of the program right now? Yeah, I mean, the Houston one, I think, is going to be the fascinating thing that that is going to impact every Texas school in the Big 12. UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU certainly will to a degree, but but Houston will impact everyone because of the recruiting. Because right now, Houston is trying to recruit against the Baylors, the Texas Tech, and the TCUs, but those schools have a leg up because they are in the Big 12 or have had a leg up traditionally because they were in the Big 12. There are prospects that Houston has had and have considered the Cougars that didn't know going there because they, didn't, they wanted to play in a Power 5 conference. That now Houston's going to be on equal footing in that regard. So that's going to be the fascinating thing to watch is how does it impact how much Baylor or Tech or TCU can get into Houston? Uh, there's so many prospects in the city. So I, I don't know that it's going to shut anybody out or anything. And, and also with Texas and OU going to the SEC, that's going to change the dynamic in this state too for the blue chips, for the higher rated guys. I think this is if for, for the top end guys, this is going to become an SEC state by and large, because your two flagship programs are moving to the SEC, and now and you've got your biggest out-of-state uh, recruiter, OU, that is, that is going to move to that conference as well. But to me, it, it it's how Houston does in the next year or two is going to tell us a lot about where they are in the food chain long-term and whether they're going to be right away a team that competes at the top with Baylor and TCU and Tech, or they're going to be a team that takes a few years to get into the mix. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Dayton Holgerson's done a good job this, last year getting this program in shape, and, and I'm curious to see if they can follow it up uh, in the second straight year with a good year again. Sam, what's so interesting to me, you mentioned it, the two flagship programs in the state of Texas in the next couple of years will be in the SEC. There are the programs like your Alabamas, your LSUs, your Floridas, there are these big brands that are recruiting at a high level, 
And we've mentioned a kid like DJ Lagway, right, in the last weekend who visited Baylor and is looking at Baylor. But to me, I'm trying to fathom these five-star guys. When you have millions of dollars now in NIL deals on the table, Alabama's calling your name. Why would these recruits choose Baylor over these other major programs? That's going to be ultimately Dave Aranda's charge is to convince them that. And I think the way they're they're approaching it, at least at this point, the way they're approaching it is they're doing it the old school way is we're going to build it on relationships. We're going to build it on, on the education. We're going to build it on your potential, both academically and athletically. And honestly, Baylor's got a lot of success to sell. You know, you talk about Texas and they're moving to the SEC. Texas has had one double digit win season since 2009. Thank you. And for that up. Thank yeah, you very ba much. Ba Baylor has had, I think five or six in yeah. the last, in the last 11 years. And so, and they've been to the big 12 championship twice in the last three and of course they've won three of them in the last decade so they have that success to sell and they have that foundation and and again i talked about the alignment and everything else that goes goes into it but i do think uh, pending what you know any major changes from the NCAA or any changes in regulations which i don't i don't foresee coming in the, in the immediate future i think every major program that wants to compete in football is gonna have to get involved in nil to some degree now, it may be varying degrees at different places, and right now that's the difficult part about it is some programs are willing to go headfirst into it, and some are just kind of dipping their toe in the water. But I think everybody's going to have to be involved to some level if you want those top-end guys. Now, I say all that, and Baylor hasn't been traditionally a place to get those top-end guys. Maybe they get one or two, but a lot of them have been more kind of those middle-tier guys. And the question is, is in that new era, can they can they still use that model to succeed? Can they compete for a national championship? It might be a little too tough to compete for a national championship, but to compete for a conference championship in the Big Twelve, I don't think I don't think NIL is going to hinder them in that way because they're going to be in a conference with I think a lot of like minded programs who are going to be battling the, battling the same issues that Baylor is going to. Sam, last question for you and. This, to me, is probably the most crucial part of the state of Baylor's program right now, and that's culture and the culture that Dave Aranda is building. What does this move, naming Blake Shapen the starting quarterback on Tuesday, April 26th, say about the state of this program's culture? I think it shows you that Dave Aranda is not afraid to make decisions that he thinks is good for his football team. And we go back to year one when he made a change at offensive coordinator after one season, moving on from Larry Fedora and hiring Jeff Grimes. That was not an easy move to do. Of course, you know the results spoke for themselves both in 2020 and 2021, but it's not easy for a coach to, to just swallow his pride and say, you know what, I made a mistake. This didn't work out. Let's move on. That was the first example to me of Dave's willingness to change. Number two, I thought the way he changed his approach as a coach, he was very much an X's and O's guy did not, was not really assertive in terms of establishing culture and the way you do things and being very detailed with players. And last year, I think you saw a transformation that he is now much more than just that X's and O's mastermind on in defensive football. He now is a culture guy. And then you look at with the, the decision that happened this week with Shapen and, and Bohannon it's, Hey, I'm confident in this guy, even though I understand that Gary Bohannon did a great job for us. 12 wins, Sugar Bowl, Big 12 championship. 
but I think this guy is better for our future. It, it sends a couple messages. One, it sends a message to a recruit or to players who are thinking about Baylor. If you come here and you outplay a guy, we will you will win the job. That's number one message. Number two is, hey, we care about our players, and we're not only going to do just what's best for the team, but we're also going to do our best to do what's best for you as well, which they did for Bohan and Nishapen. And, and I commend him for doing that because, to me, it's way too often is it the other direction where coaches are stringing guys along. And if you have a legitimate competition, that's fine. But if you know in in May or if you know in April who your starter is, there's no sense in, in straight stringing everybody along. And the players know you cannot fool the players. The players in the building who are practicing every day and they see the guys and they're in the meeting rooms every day, they know who is the one who gives them the best chance to win. Yeah. And and so you can't fool the players. And I, I commend Dave for being honest and upfront with Gary and Blake and and for being upfront with his team and for doing what he felt was best for his team while also giving Gary the chance to move on. I, I think it's a class act, and I think we need more of it in college football. I love it. Sam, thanks so much for joining today. Pleasure to have you. And for everyone out there that wants to read your content that is coming out on this quarterback battle and even the state of the Baylor program, where can they find it? Theathletic.com. Go to our college football page, and then you can also find my name and – you can follow me on, on there and I'll get all my stories and on Twitter at Escon Jr. Uh, our Baylor state of the program, I think will be in June. Don't quote me on that, but I think it'll be in June. So I'll, uh, I'll be spending the next few weeks working on that. I love it. Sam, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Sam Khan joining the show. Always good stuff from Sam, his stuff, theathletic.com. And I'm telling you, I think this move in general shows so much about Dave Aranda and where he wants this program to go because you've now given Gary Bohannon the opportunity to transfer in the next few days, whereas some coaches would have kept their quarterback battle going through the fall. So then that guy who deserves to be a starter at least somewhere is sitting on the bench. And that would have been Gary Bohannon next season, just waiting for Blake Shapen to be hurt or you know every time that Blake Shapen throws an interception there's Gary Bohannon just waiting to get in right or vice versa I think the same thing if Gary Bohannon was the starter you got Blake Shapen sitting behind him every time Gary throws an interception the fan base is in an uproar because oh it's time for Blake Shapen and every time you know Gary fumbles the football Blake's on the sideline thinking like oh I mean am I going to get in am I not and I think that's a big struggle with a lot of these quarterback battles you see these teams that have two or three guys in the running and it, it never pans out or works out well. And they're typically not very successful teams because you're always in that waiting game. You're never like confidently the starter. And when you give somebody that nod, when they have that confidence, it's just going to make your program that much better. And since they've given that to Blake Shapen this early, he's got four months to be in the mindset of the starting quarterback at Baylor University in 2022 and lead this team out against Albany next year. So I, I love the pick. I love the call. I love Gary Bohannon, and I wish him success, as everyone should, moving forward in the next season, wherever he goes. I hope it's Power 5, and I hope he's starting because Gary Bohannon, we already read the stats earlier, 2,200 passes, passing yards last season. He had, in total, 27 touchdowns for the Bears in a 12-2 and record, nine touchdowns on the ground as well. Bohannon was a workhorse for Baylor, and he's going to be a workhorse for whoever he goes to. We get ready for the Blake Shapen era of Baylor football. We say goodbye to Gary Bohannon, but we wish him the best of luck. Now, NFL Draft is coming up. How about the NFL Draft? And you know what? I don't ever care about the NFL Draft. I just don't. I'll be honest with you. Until this year, where Baylor has given me something to care about, because Jalen Petrie is on the board, and I would, I would be surprised probably 
to see Petrie be a first-round guy. He would be a really late first-round guy. Most of the mock drafts that I've seen him, he's hovering in the mid-second round range. I've seen him in the lower half of the second round, too. But we're, we're watching for this weekend. Jalen Petrie, Kalen Barnes, Terrell Bernard, Tyquan Thornton, Abram Smith, JT Woods, Raleigh Tejada, I'm not done, Jaron McVay, Xavier Newman-Johnson, and Treston Ebner. That's 11 guys from Baylor's team last season that all have a shot at being drafted in the NFL draft. Do I think they will all go? No, I, I think your cutoff is probably somewhere in the... Raleigh Tejada, Jaron McVay range. I think at that point, you're probably a little less likely than one of those guys getting to go to the NFL draft here. But I, I think even then, say you get six guys, JT Woods probably being the last of those six who get drafted into the NFL. That's an unbelievable mark for this team. I, I don't know that we'll see anyone go in the first three rounds. I don't believe that is what we're looking for outside of Jalen Petrie, but even still, Kalen Barnes has really solid draft grades. He's a projected fifth-round pick right now, according to NFLDraftBuzz.com. Looking at Terrell Bernard as well, who joined the show last week, his draft grade was pretty similar to Barnes. He's also a projected fifth-round pick. Tyquan Thornton, someone is going to get a one of the fastest players in NFL combine history and eventually NFL history, 4.28 40 time at six foot three and 177 pounds. He's six foot three running a 4.28. He's a projected sixth round pick. Imagine getting a four, two guy in the sixth round. That's the reality for Tyquan Thornton, Abram Smith on the board as well. His draft stock is right now. He's a projected seventh round draft pick. So again, I think at worst, you'll probably see five Baylor players go off the board in this NFL draft. At best, you're seeing six, maybe seven, but in total, 10 or 11 guys are up there to be in the NFL next season, all from Baylor, which just shows how good the team was last season. And it shows this too. Remember the two and seven year? Granted, you didn't have near as many talented seniors that were coming out, but that two and seven season... It was like, man, who's going to get drafted this year? Do we even talk about the NFL draft and how quickly a 12 and two year under Dave Aranda has helped these players get where they need to be to the NFL draft? So I am certainly excited to see Jalen Petrie go off the board in the first two rounds. Kalen Barnes, Terrell Bernard, Tyquan Thornton, and Abram Smith. I'm going to go ahead and lock it in, press the red button, and say that those guys will all go as well. JT Woods, Raleigh Tejada, Jaron McVay, Xavier Newman-Johnson, Tristan Ebner are all NFL-caliber guys who should at least be signed as free agents. And maybe, just maybe, one of them sneaks up and is drafted in the seven rounds of the NFL draft. Speaking of the NFL draft, thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every day. And for the first time ever, Locked On is hosting live coverage of the NFL draft from their studio in Dallas with pick-by-pick -pick analysis from local team experts and draft gurus. All three days of the draft will be uh, covered by Locked On. You have all of it starting tonight, 6 p.m. Central Time, Locked On NFL on YouTube and on the Odyssey app. Locked On NFL, YouTube, and the Odyssey app. So, thank you again for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. A pleasure having Sam Khan on today. We'll be talking more NFL draft for your Friday tomorrow. I Honestly, wildest thing, insider baseball here. The fourth wall, we're going right past it. I was ready to post this unbelievable show that I recorded last week with a guy named Josh Neighbors from, uh, from Locked On Big 12 that ranked the power rankings of next year's Big 12 quarterbacks. 
Gary Bohannon was my number two quarterback in the Big 12 on that power ranking, and he's also the number number two quarterback on Baylor's team. So that will not be airing Friday anymore. We'll come up with something different, right? It'll be football-based. There's also a new transfer in women's basketball. A couple transfers in men's basketball, three to be exact. We got so much stuff to break down on Locked on Baylor, so don't miss it. Come back tomorrow. Thank you for making us your first listen every day and make your second listen Locked on NFL Draft again really, really great time to do that. Ryan Tracy, former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker, bringing the NFL draft to life every day with insight analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening today. Share it. Tell somebody else about Locked On Baylor and come back again tomorrow. This has been Locked On Baylor.